Hey everyone, and welcome to the 50th episode of The Liam McCullum Show. Today we've got Sergeant Dan McKnight back on the show. I had Dan on the show back in the earlier stages of my podcast where we talk about the story behind his organization, Bring Our Troops Home. So I'll link to that in the description. But today we're talking about an article that John Bolton wrote critiquing the push to bring troops home. So Sergeant Dan McKnight actually bashes Chicken Hawk John Bolton and Liz Cheney in this podcast as she's currently under fire in the GOP. So it's perfect timing for the anti-war movement. And I just want to remind people that there are reasons for conservatives to not like Liz Cheney and libertarians not to like Liz Cheney that aren't just that Trump doesn't like her. Just wanted to remind people of that, but also of my podcast with Chris Ingot from Concerned Veterans of America, where we talk about the resolution that Montana passed calling on the federal government to end endless wars and that 67% of troops support that. I think this is very important to note that so many veterans support this movement. But I also want to share with you that all of you libertarians out there that McKnight actually told me after the show that he's been really pleased with the libertarian support that the troops are getting. And he estimated that about 90% of libertarians are on board while only 70% of Republicans and less of Democrats support the movement. It gave me validation and I hope it does the same for you. Remember to subscribe to me on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating. Hope you enjoy the show. Here's Dan. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Um, it's a privilege to have you on again. Thank you. Good, good to be here. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about Bring Our Troops Home and the movement and the success you guys are getting around the country. Um, but before we get into that, I want to jump into a few articles that that were published last week or a couple of weeks ago. Um, the first of which was by John Bolton, where he critiqued the Bring Our Troops Home movement. Um, and the headline reads, bring the troops home is a dream, not a strategy. Uh, and you responded. Um, what do you think listeners need to know about John Bolton before we jump into that? And um, who is he and what has he been responsible for? And yeah. John Bolton is the greatest push broom thief in American history, right? He wears that big push broom on his upper lip. Upper lip. Uh, he's a former diplomat, right? He was the ambassador of the United Nations uh, for a year under President Trump. Uh, he was attorney general of the United States under President Reagan, and he's been a warmonger since the early 70s uh, when he was a privileged uh, college student supporting the war in Vietnam, a war that he refused to join and, and fight in. Um, he is one that 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 uh, promotes and supports an, an empire presence by the United States all throughout the Middle East, uh, the Horn of Africa and anywhere in the world where the American footprint can expand um, the purpose and role of the United States military. Uh, he is persona non grata with most veterans because we feel like he uses us for things that he would never do himself. And I see him as public enemy number one or maybe number two. Uh, if, if Liz Cheney is in the conversation, she's a 1A or 1B. Um, and he's someone that uh, I would love to, uh, A, debate on a stage uh, in front of as many liberty-loving veterans as we could pack in an auditorium or be meet outside of a bar after we've had drinks and discuss things uh, the way that we used to. Yeah, and something that I find really telling in this article of his is that he mentions that media has noted widespread public support for bringing troops home. He also says that the chattering classes agree, academics agree, Democrats almost unanimously agree, and even some Republicans agree. And then he says they're all wrong without mentioning the Bring Our Troops Home movement. Right. He, uh, yeah, so all... If, if everyone's wrong and only John Bolton, Hillary Clinton, and Liz Cheney are, are right, then I'll be okay being on this side of the equation. I, I like the company I keep. 
Yeah, and something else. Uh, so he says Biden sounds like his pre predecessor, Donald Trump, whom I served as national security advisor. And I think that everyone needs to be reminded that one of the reasons Donald Trump fired him, he goes on national television and he says, Bolton would have started wars with every single country on the earth. If you, are you, do you feel like you were being pushed into military action against Iran by any of your advisors? I have two groups of people. I have doves and I have hawks. Yeah, you have some serious hawks. I have hawks. some hawks. Oh, yeah, John Bolton is absolutely a hawk. It's up to him. He'd take on the whole world at one time, okay? But that doesn't matter because I want both sides. You know, some people said, why did you put, you know, I was against going into Iraq for years and years. And before it ever happened, I was against going into Iraq. And some people said, oh, I don't know. I was totally against. And I was a private citizen. It never made sense to me. I was against going into the Middle East. Chuck, we've spent $7 trillion in the Middle East right now. We'd be fighting Iran right now if John Bolton had his way. Yeah. Yeah, and he actually he actually points that out. Um, he says Afghanistan is an exact... Excellent proximate location to keep an eye on things inside Iran. <laughs> keep an eye, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I had a conversation with uh, with my senator from Idaho, uh, Jim Risch, shortly after uh, Soleimani was killed. And I asked if he was in the room when President Trump made that decision. And he said, no, I wasn't. But I was in the room when he made the decision not to bomb Iran. And, and he said that it was a very, very unpopular decision in the room. And we know for a fact that John Bolton was in the room at that time. And so I'm sure that Bolton was was lobbying uh, full scale to for a, for a all out war with Iran, World War Three. Yeah, and are you still friendly with Jim Risch? I know in our previous podcast, if people want to listen to it, um, you kind of tell your history with the Bring Our Troops Home movement. Um, are you still pretty friendly with him? I've always maintained a, a professional courtesy with him, and I still um, respect him for what he did for our our Idaho National Guard troops when he was our governor. Uh, but as far as a politician uh, and being good on foreign policy, um, I, I rank him up as 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 one of the uh, I don't know I, I want to be real careful with what I say, but uh, I would describe him as a foreign policy cuck that he just lets things happen um, under his watch that perpetuate this endless war machine. So he is my senator from Idaho. Uh, he is a senior member of the Republican uh, um, Senate. Um, and I am friendly with him, uh, but but as far as professional and his foreign policy, I happen to disagree with him wholeheartedly on most things uh, dealing with the military. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up since you you name dropped him there. But um, another thing that John Bolton brings up in this article is that the last U.S. combat death death occurred in February 2020, and he says because of that reason, it won't be as costly to stay. He also says the cost for Washington may well increase after the withdrawal because of the greater distances. So what do you what do you make of that? Yeah, so there, there's a reason why there hasn't been a combat death, a U.S. Um, service member's death in the last year. And it's completely because of the signing, signing of the Doha deal. It's because we were under a truce. We were under a ceasefire. That's the only reason there hasn't been one. And uh, for him to say that the Costa is not that great for us to stay in Afghanistan, um, that's because he doesn't understand that the loss of a single U.S. service member, a single U.S. contractor, or the limb of, of either one of them, if they were to lose a finger, um, it, it doesn't affect him because it sure as hell isn't going to be him or his kids that, that, that pay that price. Um, he's not going to be the one that has to look into the eyes of a grieving mother or a wife or a, a, a fatherless child uh, because they, they paid that not very significant price, as he would put it. Yeah, so as someone who was on the ground in Afghanistan, I'm, I'm just a little curious about your insight into why these people want to stay because after saying that essentially 
Um, it was the leaders, it was Biden, it was Barack Obama, President Trump, who were unwilling to do their job, as he puts it. He says, Afghanistan proves the point. If the Taliban return to power, the almost universal view in Washington is that Al-Qaeda, the Islamic State, and others will resume using Afghanistan as a base of operations. But then later he says, um, Afghanistan more remote, particularly from the United States, is their preferred staging ground. So, I mean, that seems to me him simply just saying that it's more remote from the United States is enough to say, well, come home. Sure. He, so he, he is uh, one of the authors and one of the, the, the um, purveyors of, of the leapfrog um, strategy that the Department of Defense has really been pushing over the last decade, where we go out to these very remote and distant locations and set up a base and use it as a base of operations to leapfrog into other nations, into other regions, other territories. And having an established base in Afghanistan allows us to leapfrog into Pakistan. It allows us to leapfrog into Iran, if necessary, into any of the other um, foreign USSR stands. Um, and it, it does it does provide a tactical advantage if the purpose of the United States military was to have all of these military roles in other sovereign nations. Unfortunately, we have this pesky thing in the way called a constitution. And our military is to go to war only for specific purposes. And it isn't it isn't for the things that John Bolton would have us go to war for. It's for the defense of the United States, the defense of our citizens, and for strategic purposes in our defense. And uh, Afghanistan is a very remote, landlocked hellhole, and it does provide a very attractive place for these uns, um, these unsavory sorts to do their training for terrorists to go and hide in in the in the remote areas, because the people in Afghanistan aren't going to do anything about them hiding in their mountains. They're not going to do anything that's going to expel them from their country. Even though the Taliban tried to hand over Osama bin Laden before we ever invaded in 2001, George W. Bush, in his incredible wisdom, turned that offer down and decided on a full-scale invasion because he didn't want Osama bin Laden to be tried in a Muslim court. He wanted to try him uh, in a United States uh, juris jurisdiction. Well, unfortunately, that didn't happen. We tried him in his compound in Abbottabad in Pakistan at the end of a, a service rifle. Uh, his judge, jury, and executioner was the United States military. So what difference would it have made if they turned him over and he was tried in a Muslim court and, and reached the same uh, the same fate? Um, it's it, Afghanistan is not a place for us to go. We have no business maintaining our presence there. And uh, President Biden broke America's promise when he did not have us out by May 1st. And uh, we're seeing uh, what's going to happen here in the next probably short couple of weeks or maybe months. We're going to see escalation of force, including what we saw this weekend, uh, that bombing in Kabul uh, where 50 people were killed and the Taliban took credit for it. Um, that's just going to be an escalation of, of conflict, an escalation of, of contact. And we're going to see the United States military dragged back into that, that war and not being able to leave on September 1st. And it's going to rest squarely on the shoulders of the warmongers in Washington, D.C., and primarily President Biden, unfortunately, at this point. It's, it's his to own now. Yeah, so you you foresee us staying then? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and then I guess with you you brought up Liz Cheney, so there was a controversy last week. Um, what do you have to say about her? I know a lot of people were critiquing her because she wasn't upholding like Trump's narrative that he won the election or whatever. But I think there are some liberty conservative arguments against Liz Cheney. Sure, you you cannot be in Republican leadership or even Democratic leadership and not carry the the torch of the party. Uh, she has gone against the Republican Party significantly, and it's not has nothing to do with, with President Trump other than he wanted to get out of the war and she opposed it. 
Liz Cheney, if you're if if for some strange reason you're listening to a Liberty podcast, let me send out a message loud and clear. Goodbye and good riddance. You are no longer part of the GOP uh, leadership. And come uh, next spring, you will not be part of the GOP congressional delegation from the state of Wyoming. We're coming for you. We're going to support the best candidate we can find in Wyoming. And your days are numbered. And I think that's why you're starting to see her push for this presidential exploratory committee. She's trying to hedge her bets. She knows that her days are numbered in Wyoming, which is funny because her days are literally numbered in Wyoming. The number of days she spent there, we can count on two hands. Um, she is the Beltway Butcher. She is not from, from Wyoming. Yeah, and then I missed actually one more question about John Bolton. So he actually takes time to bash late Senator George McGovern. Um, what do you have to say about that one? George McGovern, I mean, uh, I'm un unabashedly, I'm, I'm a conservative. I'm a liberty-loving right-wing right weirdo, right? I, uh, whatever they call me. But George McGovern, he ran on a platform, and he ran on this incredibly brilliant um, concept of come home America, right? Come home from the wars, come home from the empire, come home from the, uh, all the things we're doing around the world and let's work on what's inside of our country. And uh, John Bolton doesn't like that because he doesn't see America as a sovereign nation. He sees us as the, 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 um, the do-gooders, the um, moral high ground for the entire world that we are in charge of everything in the world that we can manage. And there is not a conflict in the world that he would not want to get involved in if it meant bringing some sort of power, some sort of, of, of uh, superpower status to the United States. We're not an empire. We're a sovereign nation and we should be focusing on what happens inside of our border, taking care of our people, securing our elections and our borders and working on the things that are facing our nation. And we have this roadmap for this and it comes, you know, it's we this advance of technology, we find all these new things that help us in business and in life and at home. But guess what? We found this new thing called the Bill of Rights. And if we just simply follow it, uh, we wouldn't be doing this empire building around the world. We would be taking care of things within our own borders. Yeah, and I do think a point that you made there about like whatever we can manage, like being involved in countries where wh whatever we can manage in, in any way that we can manage, like this is the Bolton Doctrine, but we really can't. I mean, we're going through a depression right now. We went through a depression last year and things are really biting us in the butt. And Biden last week acknowledged that our jobs numbers were down. And part of this is because we are funding these foreign wars that, that we just can't do anymore. Single, single largest line item on our, on our budget is, is military. And uh, when you compare the United States to any other nation in the world, our spending dwarfs them and it's not even close. It's, there's not a close second. And, uh, and as a military guy, I think that I, I love military spending, but it needs to be on defense. It shouldn't be on these aggressive uh, you know, world domination, military occupations uh, around the world. I think it should be on the, on the, the benefits they were promised to veterans that did raise their hand and volunteer. It should be on modernization of defense forces. It should be on strategic missile defense. And then the, let, let's use the rest of the money inside of our own borders to do things that, oh, let's throw something out there that is kind of a radical idea. I don't know, stop taking so much tax money from the citizens. Let's, uh, let's, you know, let's get back to the purpose of this nation, which was freedom and liberty. So getting into what you're doing here in the States, we, we previously had, had you on to talk about bring our troops home and kind of the origin story there, but what's the success looking like? Are you in States? Are you seeing popularity or are you being received well? Absolutely. We, uh, we went out uh, and uh, you know, we, we've got our, our banner legislation that we're pushing called defend the guard. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. 
And uh, that was our, our way to go back to the states and fight for a responsible foreign policy within the states and just say to hell with Washington, D.C., because you're not going to you're not going to turn that ship around unless you do it with the, the individual states uh, pushing the, the, the narrative. Um, so we are very we have a, a, a tremendous growth since you and I spoke last. Uh, we now have members in every state in the nation. Um, we've just launched a new thing called the 10-7 Club. So 10-7 was October 7th, 2001 which was the day the war started in Afghanistan with the, with the bombing and the shock and on all the things that the, the media spun. But October 7th, 2001, 20 years ago, um, was the date that we started that war without a declaration. And so we started the 10-7 Club. It's a way for people all across the country, all across the world to join, bring our troops home. And for a small monthly reoccurring donation of you know, just a few dollars, you know, about 30 cents a day, they become a member of this organization. And to launch this, um, this project, we're actually, we thought we'd go back to the to the Constitution and, and look at some of our important rights and figure out what we could do to support that. And so we're giving away a gun, an AR-15, to any member, not to any member, it's a drawing for those that signed up and joined the 10-7 Club at 107club.com is where they can do that. And that we're seeing um, our, our population of our, our membership uh, skyrocketing and the number of people around the country that are sending us messages that say, hey, I was a veteran. I did five combat deployments. I agree with you. What can I do? We needed a place, a way for them to contribute because I just didn't have enough assignments to give out to people. I couldn't tell them to go enough times and call their state representatives or their senators or congressmen. I couldn't tell them enough times to go down to the Capitol building and stand their own ground down there. And so we found a way to do this and we're, do, we're, we're gonna start hiring regional directors all around the country to help with this legislative effort for the Defend the Guard. We are in a massive uh, exponential growth period right now and 100% of the money that comes in is goes to support the cause. There's no overhead, there's no bureaucracy. We don't have any high paid people that work for our organization. This is a veteran led, um, strategic, laser focused organization. And uh, our, I'm just proud of what it's become and the number of veterans that have joined us and said enough is enough um, has been awe inspiring. Yeah, so for the people who won't go back and listen to the previous episode, do you wanna just give a quick pitch about what to bring our Troops Home Movement is and what the legislation will do. Absolutely. So bringourtroopshome.us, that's the official name. That's also the website. Um, it's a it's a place where we maintain a very neutral political um, environment, uh, but we support a responsible foreign policy that includes and primarily focuses on bringing the troops home from the current conflicts around the world and ensuring that Congress never sends the military back into a foreign war unless declaration of war has been signed by Congress as required by Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 of the United States Constitution. Anybody that's up on their constitutional enumerated powers knows that Congress and Congress only has the ability to take the United States of America from a state of peace into a state of war. And uh, they do that through a formal declaration of war. And for 70 plus years, Congress hasn't done that. They've abdicated that role and responsibility to the executive branch, and they've given um, these authorization of use of military force declarations um, to the president to go anywhere for any amount of time, for any amount of money, for any length of time to fight these wars as he or she sees fit. And that's not the way it's meant to be. And so that's our organization. We, we support bringing troops home from these undeclared wars and insisting that Congress reclaim that authority from, from Congress or from the president, excuse me. And to do that, we've realized that, that we have um, a much bigger lever at the state level. Uh, so we have more, more influence, more, um, a, a better reception from the audience. 
if we go to the state level. And to do that, we've written and uh, we pushed this bill called Defend the Guard. And what it is, it's very simple. It's one page, it's about two paragraphs, nine lines that says that the National Guard, which has become an auxiliary force of the United States active military in these wars, the National Guards of the states, so the National Guard of Idaho or Texas or Maine or Michigan, they will not be released into federal service to fight overseas in combat duty or in support of combat unless Congress has first declared war. And it's a, it's a very simple, clean bill. It's supported by the Constitution. We can talk about the Militia Clause and the Enumerated Powers Clause to support that. And uh, we're pushing that in 30, well, next year we're hoping for 50 states. This year we were in 31 states uh, where we had bill sponsors and we had the bill either introduced through hearings um, and uh, it's growing exponentially. And the, the amount of support we're getting from the Liberty um, faction of uh, you know, veterans groups, uh, things like the Mises Caucus and Young Americans for Liberty, um, even the Republican Party of the state of Texas supports and endorses this bill. Uh, the ACLU on the left supports and endorses it. The FCNL, uh, Vote Vets, all, the, the, the wide political spectrum that this bill sits in is incredible. And uh, we're seeing when we go to these states for, the, for our hearings, we're having veterans that are left, center, and right that are testifying for the bill. And there's very rarely any opposition to the bill in these hearings, except for one figure. They the, the establishment military industrial complex is routinely sending a two or three star general to testify against the bills, against all these veterans who have literal skin in the game, who may not have that shiny star on their collar, but we have the ability to think for ourselves now that we're not wearing the green pickle uniform anymore. We have the ability to think and process and speak our own minds. And so in Texas, we saw, I think we had 11 people testify in favor of the bill and not a single person oppose it. And the establishment killed it in the dark of night by not letting it leave committee. Um, and so that defend the guard bill is kind of what we're doing around the country and we're finding great success. And uh, it, you can find out more about that at defendtheguard.us. And there's a map there. You can click on the state that you're in and uh, see who's sponsoring it. Send them a message of support. Or if your state doesn't have a bill sponsor, you can recommend your own state legislator to sponsor the bill. And by putting their name and their contact information in, then we'll reach out to them and let them know that their constituents, veterans in their own um, con congressional districts or their own legislative districts want this bill. Are you guys planning to maybe have a campaign to oust the people who killed it in the community? We do, and I, I'm going to be very careful here. Um, uh, there are a handful, five that we've got identified right now that we are going we're, very soon. We'll be launching full-scale primary campaigns against them, and uh, if we can't find somebody in the primary, then somebody in the general. Um, but but we've got some very great candidates identified. And uh, when we do this, when we hit the ground running, it's going to be a, a very tactical, uh, well-managed, um, well-supported uh, endeavor. And we plan on taking um, plan on taking some some some. Pardon the, the. I come from Idaho, so when we say taking a scalp, it's not meant to be derogatory in any way. But we're going to take so we're going to take some seats uh, because we know that um, in politics, um, your 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 opposition they either will appease you through compliments, they'll love you, uh, they'll give you platitudes, or they can fear you and respect you. And there's only one way that things get done, and that's if they fear you and respect you. And they only fear you and respect you if you take one of theirs and put one of yours in their place. And that's our goal this year, is that we're, we're identifying the biggest obstructionists to the bill at the state level, 
and we're going we're going to replace them. And it's both Republicans and Democrats that we've identified. And uh, we're going to do our job and we're going to do it with military efficiency. Awesome. Well, yeah, I definitely strongly urge people to go back and listen to our previous episode because you talk about your relationship to your senators and um, Rish, who we who we just talked about and how he specifically he didn't really fear you. And he he told you to your face that that he wanted to leave these wars and then he voted for the wars when he went back to D.C. So I strongly urge people to listen to your story. Um, and I'll link to that in the description. But if there's anything else that you want to cover that we haven't, please do. And then we can let you go. Sure. No, I, I appreciate all the time. But yeah, the, I I want people that listen to this to really focus on on the, the change of uh, leadership in the Republican Party. Uh, it's going to happen this week or first part of next. Once Cheney is gone, they're going to put in probably Elise Stefanik from New York, who is not great. Um, and she's very Cheney-esque. Um, but she's going to be the one that takes her place. And uh, I, I want people to watch what happens um, to see if she comes back in line with the Republican Party platform and the principles and the, the things that the party is working for. Because if she doesn't, we're going to do the same thing. Um, I'd like to take full credit for, for uh, Liz Cheney being removed for, from, from power. And I'm going to go ahead and take some credit because we've been calling for her to be ousted as the conference chair for two years. We've sent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails, phone calls, letters. We've shown up at offices in Congress and demanded that she be removed from, from leadership because of her um, inability to find ways to support ending the wars. And she's not shy about it. She, she'll tell you right now that she wants us to stay there forever and indefinitely, and there's no question about it. And some people that she supports that we're really kind of focusing on right now, um, let me, I'll throw the name out here that I, I, I wish I didn't have to do this, but um, Nancy Mace out of South Carolina is in Camp Pendleton, or excuse me, Camp Lejeune's district, which is the biggest Marine Corps base in the country. She ran on a Liberty platform. She said, I'm an anti-war candidate. I want to come home from these wars. Well, guess what? She took money from Liz Cheney's cowboy pack to run for office. Liz Cheney is now holding private fundraising events for Nancy Mace. And so Nancy, if you're listening to a Liberty podcast, if you're the Liberty lioness that you say you were, you've got to know this. There are veterans that are very upset that you're taking Liz Cheney's blood money and uh, you're going to have some explaining to do or you're going to have to be looking for a new job in two years when you run again. Um, so anybody that's listening to this, if you want to get involved and you want to fight this fight and you want to take it to some politicians that will say one thing and then turn around and do something else, go to bringourtroopshome.us, go to defendtheguard.us or join the 107club.us or excuse me, 107club.com. Those are the three ways you can get involved. And we'd love to have you on board. Um, Non-political, left, right, center, doesn't matter. If you hate war and you hate the way we go to war, this is your home. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dan. It's a privilege to have you on again. And I'll link to all of those in the description of the podcast. So definitely awesome. find them out there. It's great to be here again. Yeah, thank you. Do that. It's the